Reflecting on the mind, it's just bare, it's good to keep remembering the process is one of uh, training, training the mind, training the mind, um, rather than being happy or realize, realizing truth or understanding something, or it's training the mind. <laughs> the other things happen by themselves. You, know, you can't say, be happy. You can't say, have a powerful realization. You can't say, you know, have deep insight. You can, what you can do is you can train your mind and then it will happen. If it, if it wasn't going to happen like that, it wouldn't be worth doing. The only realizations come from, not from some self or some program or some thing we do. They come from the deathless or come from a place that's bigger than ourself. Otherwise, Otherwise, it's just more toys, really. <laughs> you know. So we just focus really on tra- training, training the mind, where that sense of open, no expectation, just what's worthy of me, really what's worthy of me moment to moment, what's, you know, what I can bring forth, you know, how, how willing can I be? And this is really very realistic, so it's kind of ultimate. You've got to be supremely resolute, supremely everything, perfect in everything, just as, just as good as you can be, doing as good as you can. It's like that. There is an aspiration, there's also a pragmatism. This is what I'm working with. This is my limitations, you know. And so the, the, the best standard really is, is okay. The best standard is good enough. It's not the brilliant... <laughs> The ultimate is the good enough. That's the best standard. Because then that's the standard where there is the application and there's enough space to really sense and be reflective on what's going on. If we're pushing too hard, we lose that reflective space. If If we're not working firmly enough, clear enough, we lose the reflective space. You just get kind of bogged down or... The mind doesn't acquire any strength, any firmness. So training, training the mind. You know, training it lies one would uh, 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 a pet or something you really wished well for. You know, it was your responsibility. 
and you knew that as you train it, it will be loyal, it will be strong, it will be for its welfare. So as a sense of as a kindly making an effort with friendliness, with that sense of this is for your welfare. And sometimes what's for your welfare is hold back, be checked, restrain, put that down, you know. And that message has to be put across with that, with that good intention with, for the welfare. This is not worthy of me. You know, this is not worthy of me. You know, really get a sense of that, that you are worthy. You know, it's nothing that you have this, this, this faith, this beauty, this um, mindfulness, this wisdom. You know, don't lessen yourself. You know, which we can do because we get into a self-view. I am this, I'm always that, I'm never this, I can't be this, I've got to be that. And you get involved with it and it, it starts to take the, the edge, you know, the clarity out of the practice. And, you know, one thing that's always going to be a source of re- disappointment is when you're trying to placate a self. They don't get placated. <laughs> They're never contented. They don't do that. <laughs> and what they do is they start to evaporate. Then you think, it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> because in this, particularly in this third frame of reference, the third foundation of mind, this is primarily where this sense of self-view rests in this, in this area. Yeah. And the Buddha says it is possible for this mind to be released from self because self is not actually a thing, it's a view, it's a, it's a perspective, it's a set of habits, a set of programs. That, and then, so then the real point of the practice is you look into the, the programs, the inclinations, the attitudes, the intentions that build up this sense of I am this. The self-view. This is what's called intention, inclination. It's called the Pali word is chetana, sometimes translated as volition, which means it's that that push, that move. When you get a feeling, something moves. When you get a perception, something moves. Something goes for it or pushes away. That's what we mean. It's not a deliberate, considered response. It's that you know, that, that thing that happens in the mind, you know, it goes for something. And this is the source of, source of karma. Karma or karma, as you, the anglicized form of it, karma, which means that when we act upon that intention, when we act upon it, there's a result and we start to get programmed in terms of that result. We start to establish a particular habit. If you act upon the intention, then you, whether it's a good or bad, then if it's good, you get a good you get a good result, which feels like me, and if bad, you get a bad result, which feels like me. <laughs> so there's the me going good and bad, and certainly it's better to have the good results. And, uh, and uh, in fact, you know, the general view is that you have to do enough good karma to get clear enough to, to start to get release these inclinations, to be able to just have no inclination, just resting, resting the mind, resting the mind, resting, being present, just that. 
because as we all recognize it's continual when you come into some place where you start to settle down something comes pop bubbling up you know pushing or doubt or worry or or how can I have more of this make it last longer or does this mean I'm at this state or <laughs> am I avoiding something now or how do I make this work in my daily life you know something comes wobbling up through that you know that moment when it's just and then oh what was that what more of that you know or, is this nibbana or something you know <laughs> so that that kind of twitch comes in this volitional twitch so you actually you know that's that's the that, they don't really stop that it just it just begins to wear out <laughs> so when we look, look at training it really is a long term process because these these twitches, these pushes, these inclinations, some of them you can just deliberately check and hold and reverse. Some of them, you know, you at least hold in your mind, you don't act upon it verbally or physically. Um, but still, you get that kind of whoop, you know. And it's really a process of maturation. Patience, incredible patience is what's required. This is, you know, the fundamental training is patience and resolution. Just resolved and patient. You know? So you to use that's an inclination. So you start to bring in certain skillful inclinations to to work against or to hold or to highlight these reflex inclinations. And it's rather like uh, as your your powerful inclinations get stronger, then then it's rather like those sumi wrestlers, you know, you get these two big guys bouncing in a ring. Eventually, one is just bigger than the other, just flattens him. <laughs> You've probably met a few of these silly wrestlers in your mind. You know, generally they flatten you, don't they? they come up and plomp. You know, <laughs> suddenly you're half asleep. Well, go, go, what was that? You know? So you, you've got to build up the others to just basically just kind of get bigger. And I don't just mean strength, I mean more kind, uh, more generous, more, more patient, more equanimous, more, you know. So that's what you get more of, just developing these, these more these uh, inclinations and intentions and, uh, that train the mind and hold it. It's a process uh, when you're on a retreat, just being held in, a partic- in this particular form. And working with that, with its struggles and difficulties and dull patches and pieces that don't quite fit the way I like to do it, you know. And it's for everybody. I shouldn't think this retreat fits anybody. <laughs> they never do. They don't, the way I, you know, it doesn't fit me, it doesn't just, you know, but you don't, you just pour into it, okay, just be with this one, this particular shape, this particular pattern, this particular routine, just go, in, go into that, and then feel what it does to me. I want to see what it does, because if there's still some resistance, still, still something there, I want to flush it out, you know. I want to see my impatience, or my, I don't want to bother to do this anymore, I'm fed up, that kind of thing. <laughs> I want to see that. Okay, there's another piece. Just be patient with that. Patient with that energy. 
you know, patient with it. Just don't even want it to go away. All I want to do is just to learn how to be really patient with that madness of the mind. I don't want it to stop. I've given up trying to make it stop, trying to make it go away, trying to be nice. What I want to do is just hold it patiently. You know, that's, you see, there's, there's a way of, of retraining, which is takes one, always takes one beyond self, beyond the narrowness of the self with its hurry up and get this done and when's this going to work for me and I don't think I need to do this anymore and I feel I need more of that. And, you know, the, the thing, it gets so, so jumpy around. Yeah. <laughs> Quickest way to enlightenment, cheapest way to enlightenment. <laughs> Thus speaks the self. You know. <laughs> There's no way, because we're looking at release, release from this, this mechanism, really. But it's not through getting you know, angry about it or crushing it, even just being really patient. So your patience and your, your openness just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you hear this thing kind of scrabbling and whining, and you say, okay, wonderful, wonderful, bring it on, you know. <laughs> So that's what forms are for, you know, we have a sitting form and then after a while, you know, it starts to get, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, you know rise, wriggle, <laughs> you've got a standing form, you stand for a while and then it's rise and wriggle, <laughs> a walking form and guess what, you walk it up and down and then, well maybe I could do something. <laughs> Somewhere else, I don't know, do some Tai Chi or something. It's something a bit more in it than just walking up and down. So it's a wriggle, wriggle, you know. So you actually, and that's not very comfortable, but then just being patient with that. Here it is, you know, because it's the story, isn't it? Whatever we do, you know, it's that place where we start to get pressed and itchy and, you know, Feel restrained, feel clamped, feel held. Sitting form, walking form, and reclining, you know, lying down. Whoa. In restless, can't sleep, got to get up. <laughs> and then a retreat form, you know, 10 days. Or, and then the, the sense of being held in retreat form, and then. First day, second day, third day, routines, God. Fourth day, wriggle, wriggle, wriggle. Fifth day, by the time the seventh, you're just starting to chill out about day seven, you think, and then, what about when I go home? You start to wriggle <laughs> some more. <laughs> What's it going to happen after retreat? There's a more kind of, well, I sort that thing. I didn't do that properly. I better sort that out. And you start getting busy again. So it's, that's the way it goes. That's, what, that's what's called a mind. <laughs> a mind when it's held by self. That's what it, it does. You know, and there isn't some self that can sort it out. It's not like you get another self in to sort the other one out. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next the other one will do exactly the same. <laughs> so I'm taking over. I'm fine. You know, I'm the meditating self. Look, I'll, I'll be here. I'll, I'll sort this out. Then after a while it says, 
well, maybe I need to do some Zogchen, maybe I need to do some Jhana, maybe I need some Vipassana, and another retreat, and wriggle, 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 there it goes, you know, and then how's this going to work with, you know, my work, my responsibilities, my job, my life, more of this, more of that, so it starts doing that, doesn't it? But there's a, there's a process of Dhamma, you know, that we are, we are in, and it's always a bit bigger, a bit bigger than our apparent focus, hmm. An apparent thing we're doing. So when you're starting, you know, when you whatever you feel you're doing, for good or for bad, that's karma. And whatever you think you, you feel you're doing, recognize the sense of doing, wanting to do, not doing enough. Which should I do? How will I do? Do de do de do. And then. <laughs> So like, and then widening. Who is this? Who, who's, who's doing all this doing? Who, who is this? Is it? You know, there's, there, there's the ending of karma. I mean, so there's the, that, well, that itchiness and meandering and wobbling around what to do and whether one can or can't do and whether one's done the right thing, all the wrong things we've done. And the good things we should do if we get a chance to do it, that's all do. And then there's also, well, and it's always in time, isn't it? It's going to be moving in time, the past, the future. It's going to be me and you, selves, selves of various kinds. And it's driven, moved along slowly, fast, wobbling, uncertain. And then there's B. Isn't there? There's, there's B, which is more like, who is this anyway? Who is this? What is this? You know, like a, something that widens and opens. And that's, that's, that's the, the bit, isn't it? like that kind of relinquishment or release or letting go, dispassion, where you don't really making an issue around what it is and where just the widening out of the out of that view out of the self view mm. and so what's that this this dumb this is dumber practice this is you know the the that particular movement or release movement <coughs> Now, most of us, and perhaps all of us, but I always say most because I don't, just don't know, but some kind of forms are really necessary in order to check, to have some reference to this self-experience. Because if you, we don't have that, then what have you got to measure it against? You've got to place it within something to get the feeling of where it's pushing or where it's faltering or it's hanging back. If it's got no frame of reference, then you, you just are in that. You're just in the vehicle, just but you know, moving moving along. Yeah. Yeah. So you need sort of forms and forms of retreats, and probably the one of the most uh, well tested and well tried life forms, 
are called the parami, or perfections, forms of perfections, or forms of furtherances, things that, you know, helped you to open out from particular uh, self-views, help you to open out. And these are life forms, and it's really, really helpful to get some sense of those. Uh, And often mainstream Buddhist practice in Buddhist cultures is developing parami, parami or paramita, as it's sometimes referred to. Mm. And these are particularly inclinations or intentions that you establish uh, to, to help you to see the contracting or the pushing or the neediness of the self and have something to, to use to take you out of that. So patience is one of them. Sometimes it's called the supreme. Because of the, the restlessness that's associated with self. It's restless because at that interface of experiencing feelings which are transient and perceptions which are coming and going, then the inclination is always to, to follow that one or to do something about that one or to move back from that one or to, you know, to make more of that one, this feeling, this perception, this stuff. So there's always that jogging around, trying to, you know, what do we do with this feeling or thought arises? And that one's really shocking and that one's shameful and that one's beautiful. So there's that sort of, this is happening to me, you know. And so as you more you meditate, you know, you really, more you meditate like that, the more you really get this sense of being a real mess, actually. <laughs> so, so then, you know, tremendous goodwill and patience and, and resolution is required just to stop identifying with either the topics of what the thoughts and or the, 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 or the energies that are aroused. And topics of the thoughts, all the thoughts are really just plugged into the 21st century. You take a main line or, and you plug it into the 21st century or 20th century for some of us. This is this is what you'll be thinking about. <laughs> you'll be thinking about this stuff. <laughs> That's where it comes from. <laughs> it doesn't come from some self or another. It's it's all just the tape loops, you know, of this that we plugged into. You know. How come nobody thinks in Swahili? <laughs> Because you've plugged into this particular culture and system and language structures and so on. And the concerns and the articulations. It's like that, isn't it? And those thought forms carry what's already been plugged into. You know, messages of self-acceptance, love, generosity... Faith, all messages of competition, performance, compulsion, <laughs> grasping. So that's the thoughts often programmed around the, the particular messages that are the common currency 
of the domain in which you live. You know, that's there. It is not self. It's just that. Yeah. So we plugged into that. So you're not going to expect that really to be such good news. Already mingled, mingled stuff. And we have these uh, forces of uh, greed or that which wants to acquire more, covetousness, acquisitiveness, uh, that which wants to absorb into and hold and be filled with. And then we have that which wishes to push away, uh, avoid, dismiss, get rid of. So greed, aversion, and then the delusion, which is the, the biggest one, which is what these forms start to peel off. Now delusion, you know, so for people who don't necessarily meditate or inquire, probably think, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm doing okay. Everyone else is a mess, you know, there's these bad people out there. Uh, this is, you know, the, the, everything is wrong out there and they're okay. This is called massive delusion. And if you could just kind of blast the evildoers and so forth, everything would be okay. Get rid of the, the evildoers and get what we want, everything would be okay. And this is huge delusion. And we see the results staring us in the face every day. And, <laughs> and still it goes on. Still the greed, still the, the over, the, the exhaustion of the resources, still the violence continues every day and it just you never get a, you know, the problem's always somewhere else and the problem, we can actually have what we want, get everything we want, be satisfied, you know, and that's fine, that's my right, that's what should happen for me. Well, this is massive, massive delusion. And it's delusion because it can go on and somehow or another it barely gets checked, barely gets checked. And then there are those with a little dust in their eyes, such as good people, such as yourself, who say, no, this isn't right. This isn't, this isn't it. This is wrong. Something wrong here. This is wrong, you know. Uh, and then you thought, what, what can be done to try to, you know, change that? Well, I can work on this. And then as we use forms, forms start to peel away the delusion that we've been steeped in. One of the big forms of delusion just is this sense of self as an autonomous being that can get what it wants and, uh, and so on. So because of that view, that self-view, then greed remains unchecked. Mm. It also, the self uses, it can get rid of what it doesn't want to have, be associated with, because of that self-view, aversion, violence, warfare, continues. Get rid of the bad ones. So, and then that's considered okay. That's what delusion does. It says greed and aversion are okay. <laughs> you tidy them up. You don't call them greed and aversion. You call them something like uh, aversion. You call peacekeeping. And <laughs> greed, you call um, stewarding one's resources or something like that. 
<laughs> so it's always uh, the language makes it a bit tidier. <laughs> so we, and we've, those patterns are there for us. And so this is the self-view operates in this way. Yeah. And it's, it's very much kind of developed and engendered and cultivated. So when we come into a meditation practice, then you realize there's that, that energy. It's maybe it's now not so much uh, gross, but it's still, it's more refined, it's more psychological, it's more, um, you know, it, it's limited, and yet it's still there. And you hold, using a form, the form means that when we want what we want, we can't get it, we have to meet that, that feeling. And we don't want what we don't want, we have to be with it, we have to meet that. <laughs> yeah. and at those places where the self-view goes, I don't want, I shouldn't have to, it's my right, I don't see why I should bother, after all, I need, and I don't see why this, is, you know, this isn't there for me. That, you know, wow. Be patient. Just be just patient with that voice. Because you don't want to assume it's wrong, then you should dismiss it, or you should be something other than that. You just want to be patient with it. So, you know, so there's there's the there's the great the paramita, the parami, it's just establishing that resolution. I will be patient. I can you know something. I I I can do it for like. You know, five seconds probably. <laughs> but no, you see, you start with that and you do it a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, a little more, a little more, a little more, and see what happens. And by and large, what happens is that self, that struggle, abates, comes back again, you do it some more, comes back again, you do it some more, comes back again, you do it some more. And you hold a form in order to. To you to have something to, to test yourself or to practice with, and now you hold it. Your resolution again is your choice, isn't it? All these are free will choices. You can't have Barami imposed upon you because <laughs> there's no perfection in that. That's just conformism and totalitarianism, and so you have to get a sense of what do I need? What can I develop? Yeah, what can I do? There are ten parami. Begins with generosity, giving, you know, giving my time, giving something that I rather hold dearly to myself, and I'd like to just widen and give give something. Uh, so I don't think any of us would subscribe to being stingy or mean, but with parami, you, you look for a chance to. To say, how can I? So we we get that sense from the, that parami of what it works against is the boundary between self and other. So that you, well, you know, your welfare is as important to me as mine. So well, you know, it makes you feel there's a pleasant feeling in in giving. It connects us to a culture of of, of dana of generosity. And so, for me, this has been an incredible privilege to be in this 
environment of, of this whole culture of generosity for <laughs> decades where it's really just moving resources around. You know, just everybody gives, everybody gives something, everybody shares something, everybody gets to receive something. It just keeps shift moving around. You know, and certainly in monasteries you get requisites are given and they're just passed around. And then they produce books and CDs and things and just give them away. People come here, you can stay here for free. Here's some food, here's some lodgings, you know. Get people who are hard up, we'll give them something, you know. What we have surplus of, we give away and uh, to, to needy people. And people give to these places. So they act as like a, like a lung where you know, stuff comes in and it's just spread around. Stuff comes in and spread around. Everybody gets to feel that quality because it doesn't matter. There's no compulsion in it. You want to, you know, you want to, you haven't got anything to give, that's fine. Just be the one who receives. That's, that you're still part of that. You're still in that. But, you know, there's no demand to, to, hey, you've got to give me something or demand to give. So even if you're just receiving, that is still part of that sense of being part of the dana generosity culture and you're feeling the quality of other people's free, open generosity. That, even that is good enough, you know. That is good enough. That's a good start just to be able to receive it rather than, well, I suppose to pay for something back, I feel awkward, I feel embarrassed. No, just, just enjoy. You know, that's what makes it work. <laughs> So there's a culture of, of empathy and how delightful it is to be able to give anything to somebody who appreciates it and to feel that sense of their appreciation is their gift to, to you. You give something, their appreciation is their gift to you. Yeah. So in, like in uh, monastic life, when people make offerings, we all have this sense of giving the anamodana, which is a chant, but it's also the spirit of it, is how deeply we appreciate this and we want you to receive the appreciation you know so it's and it's it's one of the one of the things the way the thing turns around so it's a very important one because most all of us can do that you know even if it's just a a kind word everybody can can do some of that it's not that difficult and just remembering the beauty of that you know and it takes us out of a sense of, well, I haven't got anything to give. I'm, you know, imagine, you know, really what's the point, you know, worthless anyway. <laughs> you know, that shrunken sense. Uh, you say, well, I can, I can wash up, you know, <laughs> be my little bit, <laughs> you know, something like that. So rather than like kind of enclosing, picking, festering, worrying about myself, just opening up, widening, to the, the shared realm of other beings. And as human beings, the, we always, you know, naturally, we are part of other beings. We couldn't have been born without other beings. We wouldn't have survived a day without other humans. We wouldn't have, uh, we can't, it's impossible to live without other human beings, just, just physically, let alone learning modeling, training, encouragement, friendship. You just, no way you could have survived physically, psychologically at all without other human beings. It's that, it's that 
you know, the, the skin boundary is really an il- a bit of an illusion. <laughs> As you know, how many beings you've got stuck inside you. <laughs> That's because we're not really s- separate. And yet, the self-view says, well, me and mine, and I'm not mine, I'm the odd one out, and I can't do, and I never want, and I'm always weird, and stuff like me, me, me. And it creates this psychological boundary. You know? So that, uh, you know, and that, that's what we're looking to, to move out of. Because the irony is that though we couldn't have survived, you know, more than an hour or two without the human beings, Sometimes we can barely t- bear to exist for an hour or so with other human beings. <laughs> Can't stand them. <laughs> Why is that? What is it? What's that? You know. And living in community, that that is the, that's the basic thing. Yeah. I mean, all the moral precepts of renunciation seem, when you look at them on paper, they seem difficult. They're not difficult. You know, the, the precepts of renunciation are not difficult, really. It's other be- living with other beings is difficult. That's difficult. <laughs> There's where the, the grinding and the disappointment and the frictions and the trying to, what's on earth you going on about, you know, goes on. And you, then in the community, you're there with them. <laughs> in all sorts of subtle forms, subtle ways. And everybody's trying to do the best they can. And yet still there's that chafing, you know, or disappointment or differences. That's, you know, that's, that's what self, because we have self-view. So we, that self-view means we, we create a, a boundary around ourselves, and that naturally rubs against other people's boundaries edges. It's like that. And we can't just say, no boundaries. It doesn't happen like that. You've got to actually be at that place where some of that friction, that edging, that disappointment, that not quite fitting occurs and just be patient with it. You know, just wide and soft and it's not his fault, it's not my fault, it's just karma, it's that way. You know, know, stop creating self and other at that place. And when you develop any of these barami, then it's always that turbulent, wobbly bit where the edge, you meet the edge of self. And it starts to wobble and shake and push. And that's, he said, there's the place where just, that's, that's what you want. You want that bit, that wobbling, shaking, resistance, chafing bit. That's the bit you want. Because there's the place where just be patient with this for a little bit more. <laughs> and then something starts to give, give up, give, give, give up. Oh, widening the, oh, that was worth it. That was really worth it. I'd never have got there without that. <laughs> I never, never really widened without that. Yeah. And then you think, then it, you know, oh, the, that's how then you want to do some more. Generosity, morality, keeping precepts, and renunciation, letting go, simplifying. Mm. Precepts, you have the basic precepts, and yet 
you know, something comes up, well, it doesn't really matter, well, you know, so, well, everybody else does this, well, okay, why make a big issue out of this little, just a little bit of, you know, well, you know, the kind of fudging. (laughs) That's what my mind does, anyway. So then, because in in the monastic training, you have a lot of refined precepts, things like you can't damage plants, so you get some... Some, some thistle or nettle or something growing right in the middle of your garden. You think, God. <laughs> and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow like crazy. It's going to affect the whole thing. So you, and you're not supposed to even tell anybody else to, about to do anything. So you say to a lay person, well, a lot of thistles growing there. <laughs> And they go, yeah, right, that's interesting. They walk away. <laughs> so you think, so you think, maybe I'll just accidentally walk over it. Then <laughs> if you do that, that's, then you know uh, there was that fudging, that manipulation. No, no, wrong, wrong, did it wrong. And it's not a moral condemnation, it's just... There was the there was the edge, you know. And then you think, well, after all, this has got as much right to be here as I do. They've probably lost, done less damage to the planet than I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know. you see how that, you know, how we get very very um, particular about our moral standards. <laughs> you know. But if you really keep it, then every, even a black fly has got as much right to be here as you do, doesn't it? It doesn't want to die any more than you do. So what do you think you've got the right to just go, because <laughs> it's annoying you? <laughs> so even that, you say, I know the feeling, to check, stop, and then, okay. Okay, black fly. <laughs> uh, and something in you widens, and it's doing things of that nature. You know, right speech, you just want to tell some really tasty bit of gossip about so-and-so. You know, really, this is hot stuff. <laughs> you actually hear this one? <laughs> Stop, check, hold it. <laughs> right speech. A renunciation, learning to, to let go of something. You know, or it's just an exercise. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will be take, will be, otherwise will become, other, uh, will become separated from me. Repeating this every all the, or everything that is mine, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. All, get it? All. (laughs) The clothes, the gadgets, the car, the dog, whatever it is, my body, my hair, my sense faculties. So that clench, that holding on, that we don't even really recognize until it starts to slip away and then you you know just why don't you try giving up now just a little bit just as an exercise you know or maybe just you know give it to someone else you you want to give it to you know so it's, it's that realizing you can't have anything in this life you can't have anything you only get to borrow things for a while things pass through so when you start to get that feeling of tightening up around, then remember to exercise the muscle 
of renunciation, because that's what sets you free from things. Remember, you don't possess things, they possess you. You've got something and it says, feed me, polish me, clean me, tweak me, improve me, maintain me, repair me, get another one of me. (laughs) That's what they do, don't they? (laughs) Who owns who? You know, did, did, the, did the gadgets spend $500 on buying you, or was it the other way around? <laughs> who owns who, you know? Who possesses who? So, the, you know, the renunciation and that, what it brings up, the covetousness, the feeling, it was really nice, I've had that. And then you, you'd be all right. You'd be all right without it. You'd be all right. You know, what's important will be all right. And it's not, it's not a, a kind of puritanical, it's not something like just trying to deprive yourself, but really separating what you need from that what you want covetousness, because we have relative needs. We need a car to get to work. Okay, we need a car. You know, and then that's it. So you, and then it's relative. I need a car in order to, to do a particular function or requirement. When it becomes needing things for some sense of self, then you're starting to get into dangerous territory. We need something in order to to be somebody for status, for prestige, for appearances, for myself, then mm, that's the one. That's where renunciation kicks in. It's not about deprivation. It's about looking at where really the self thing needs. Yeah. So you see this in, you know, billionaires. You know, I've only got 40 billion. Look, truly, truly, we still need some more. Because the money itself is not about buying things. It's about being somebody who's got more than everybody else. Yeah. Or it's just, it's just, an, it's just an, uh, a mood in the mind. You, don't, you can't do anything with that amount of dough. And yet how come people got, you know, 40, 50 billion? <laughs> what do you give it away, you know? It's, it, what can you do with it? Apart from feel, I've got it. Yeah. I don't think this is our problem. But just looking at how, on an extreme case, that, that need to be something identified with the possession is so strong that it will take people to this lunatic extremes. It just does not get satiated if it's associated with, with, with self. So when we have something that for a function, that's, that's true, that's fine. When it's just for some self-view image, it's, it's insatiable. It's renunciation. So you look at that, you keep measuring what you've got. And does this need me or do I need it? You know, is this for a function, a purpose, or you know, you keep reviewing because then the clearer, the lighter it gets, the less you have to look after. And that's the aim of it. It's for joy. It's for freedom. It's for feeling that you've already got enough in yourself. These are trainings, renunciation, patience, discernment, truthfulness. Just being clear to yourself. Being honest about what's going on. In your mind, whether it's for good or for bad, truthfulness of it. Once we place things truthfully, then there's a sense already of 
being bigger than that. This is why our process of, of acknowledgement is so important. Just pure, unconditioned, accepting acknowledgement of what manifests in our minds and bodies. It's that. And as soon as you can do that clearly with no ifs, ands, buts and shoulds, already from the power of truthfulness, there's some sense of, I'm bigger than this. I'm bigger than this. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already bigger than this. And you've got the leverage to be able to work with it in an appropriate way. Kindness um, is, prob- is you know, so important. It's something, again, we repeat every day, at least once or twice a day, as a re- deliberate recollection, as an ongoing practice. And I think as some of the teachers have been saying, you know, it's not about a particular emotional flush or glow. It's just that very willingness to be present with one's self, you know, and with other selves as they manifest. The willingness to be present in non-reactive, non-compulsive, non-agitated way. Yeah. And it doesn't sound so impressive until you start to do it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, sometimes you just can't feel that warm and, you know, wonderful and, and so forth. But you can stay present and empathic, tuned into that, it feels like this. The willingness to be that without shrinking. This is what holds us. And uh, on retreat situation, you have a very good uh, form and how these, these for cultivating all these barami, and particularly the, the barami of loving kindness, of kindness, the form does it. Because what the form does, it starts to peel away a lot of the padding and the defenses and the distractions that our selves would get into. Then we're left here in a more naked, vulnerable way. We've opened up the wound. Whatever that may be. We've opened that. We've taken the padding off. We've opened the wound. And then just being held or feeling held in a space where you don't have to change it, get over it, understand it, get, you know, just being held patiently in that and it starts to heal by itself. That's what they do. And in, you know, in relating to the various degrees of stress over the past, the future oneself or others, the important thing is to find a form that just keeps that open and don't, don't pick it. Don't keep picking away at it. Don't go in there. You know, I think one of the uh, mistakes, I can't find exactly the right word, one of the errors we might say, of apprehending one's suffering is to get too involved with it. Now, because the way the mind is, the mind is basically a resonator. It's uh, like, like a lake, like a pond. It's a resonator. You drop a rock in it, it shivers, it trembles. Now, if you keep putting your mind back into that, it will just keep trembling. Yeah. It will just keep... So you feel your pain, and then you, if you go into it, then you feel, oh, I shouldn't be in this 
difficult state and then it can just keep resonating and it gets very agitated. You know, we're trying to come find our way out of our problem. We are uh, sampling it more and more deeply. And this seems in some way to be an astute act of clarity and observation, but it's uh, imbalanced. We can get so involved with our story that we, that we lose perspective. It becomes another form where self-view starts to occur. I've got all these problems and issues and damage and things I've done wrong and I'm a compulsive person and I'm a negative person and I'm a spiteful person and I did this and I did that and I had all this done to me and you know, it's really in there. Oof. You know, well, you know, here we are. And get over it. <laughs> Sounds callous, doesn't it? It's not snap out of it, get over it, but just widen. Because this is the same, this is for everyone. Just what one wants to remember as a simple mantra, because when I get into that, it is so poignant. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> My heart breaks every day. And actually, other people have been there. <laughs> other people are in this and worse, and they get through it. You know, this isn't to dismiss or shut it down. It's just to get a sense of perspective, because feeling attracts. So it attracts our attention, and then it escalates. It, it, it emphasizes. It gets deeper. This is why. We always keep trying to keep the, bo- the mind in the body because your body doesn't do that. It can feel the feeling, but it doesn't keep resonating with it. Just this feeling, feeling, feeling. <laughs> it's grounded. And mostly what uh, the, 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 the error that occurs in our practice is the mind stuff gets very strong and very intense as the old karma, the old inheritance is coming up, painful, poignant, and then we're in there and we're, we've lost our bodies. We've sort of gone into that. Or you've got it's only a very partial reference to it. So coming back in. So you can resonate it against this sense of the, the firmness, the upright, the bones, the movement, and just holding it within that particular form. So we use this body form to hold the mind forms and in that is that again that struggle that that conflict that I don't think I can manage this this uh, I should be better than this and what's this mean and all that and then just patient patient it doesn't go in a day it doesn't go in a week yeah but if you're patient you know it's gonna it's going you know you found a place where you can live with it and then so then the, the emotional intensity with which one experiences this dukkha starts to fade. It's just, so there it is. And then it's like the sense we start to widen out of that. Now, kindness is just the, the encouragement to, to not shrink, to be with, without aversion. To be held. Mm. And although it's very easy to have kindness towards kittens and sweet things and nice things, yeah, that's great. So it's not the quality itself, it's where you put it that counts. 
So yeah, you know, you can find beings who naturally trigger that for you, that kindness, and then you want to bring it to the places which are not (laughs) places where you normally experience it. The places, the lost places, the shut out places, the taboo places. Yeah. That's that's the barami of it. That's that's the that's the perfection of it. Bringing it to the places that we've shut out, lost, pushed away, not not been with. Yeah. And even if it's just the bearing with it, patiently bearing with it, that's that's the pass mark. Yeah. And feeling it more than trying to put it into your body. Just keeping it in your body. And then patience. And patience is a tremendous um, well, resolution, resolve, of course, backs up everything. And then the, the final, well, the culminating parami is equanimity. There's only one way to get equanimous, which is to be patient. Because <laughs> <laughs> equanimity is not indifference. It's not, it's not a matter of uh, just not feeling anything. It's the ability to feel the feelings as feelings and not contract around it. It means it's a very wide emotional space. I don't know if this makes sense to you, to about widening your emotional capacity. Normally one's emotional capacity is very much just measured by the quality of the feeling. So the tightness, the push of the feeling, our emotional capacity goes to that. We get excited, we get enraged, we get depressed. That, that's the narrow when it's exactly responding or commensurate with the level of the feeling. It's, it's, it's just, you know, you're, as, you're only as emotionally wide as your feeling is. Well, that's, yeah. And then the wider is like, I can feel the feeling is like that, and I can be a bit patient with it. That's wider. Because you're no longer, the emotional width is no longer the same width as the feeling. It's a bit bigger. You've got some space around it. And through the medium of patience, then one, the, the you know, patience, like with the feeling and then with the sense of not wanting the feeling and wondering how long it's going to go on for, and just wider, wider, it's okay, it's okay. There's renunciation. So all these virtues work together until you get a very wide emotional field of, I can still empathize with this, sense it, there it is, you know, let it work itself out. So it's a lot of trust in that. So this is enormous uh, um, cultivation and itself another being having that experience towards other people going through their ups and downs. And the more near and dear they are, the more testing it is to be equanimous to your beloved going up and down, you know, doing things you shouldn't do. You know, or your daughter doing the things she she shouldn't do, which were the things you did, <laughs> and you shouldn't have done. <laughs> and it's not that you don't care, and it's not that you're not interested or affected, but you want to keep that sense of openness. So instead of getting reactive, fed up, disappointed, or saying, "Oh, well, I'd get lost," you know. The staying present, equanimity. And so this is a, a vast source of uh, cultivation. Yeah. 
And when we develop that in, in terms of our Dhamma practice, it's like that sense that when's, it gonna, when's the suffering going to end? When are we going to get to the, the good bit? When are we going to find you know, the, the Nibbana or the bit at the end of the path? Or when are we going to get to, when does this silly thing in my mind stop? When do I finally get it together and stop being so juvenile or whatever it is? It stops now by being patient with it. That stuff goes on. It goes on at its own rate and karma. It just, the less you put into it, one way or another, the more it just starts, it fades out. It's only an energy that you keep, we keep going by being mesmerized by it. So you're just letting it wear itself out. Yeah. And then we cultivate the quality of patience with that. It doesn't ask for a result. The only thing that has to end is that sense of when's this going to end? <laughs> when that ends, then it's ended. <laughs> because we've, we've finally made peace with life as it is. Yeah. And then we're freed. Freed from that. Mm-hmm. So disappointing when you, you, know, you want to get to the place where everybody's happy. It doesn't happen. Want to be to the place where you're always happy? Doesn't happen. Be to the place where everything's solved? Doesn't happen. Be to the place where there's no more complaints? Doesn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't happen. But be to the place where you go, ah, oh, yes, it's like that, isn't it? That does happen. That can happen. Then the what's called the sabhavadukkha or the basic unsatisfactoriness of this world of becoming that we all jumped into it doesn't dig itself into you it doesn't dig itself into you, they keep your humour your grace, your ability to respond you never give up because there's nothing to give up you've given up the only bit that counts, which is the craving, the clinging, the self-view the rest of it, you don't have to give up there's only one bit the rest of it takes care of itself but if we can get to that place where where the the lock is myself, yourself themselves, you know what's this to me, why should I and just start use these parami to gently open them then the only bit that can end does end called dukkha, suffering. <laughs> That's what we're here for. So, using these forms, mm-hmm. in these forms, show you the bits that, if I was following my own way, I wouldn't have seen. You know, I wouldn't have bothered with. I'd have stayed in my comfort zone. I wouldn't have bothered with. So, using a form to to take that out. And naturally there's that stage of discomfort and turbulence. But realize if you're experiencing that, that's good. That's, that's, that's the good bit. That's the good sign. It means the thing is sweating itself out. It's coming up. Bear with it. Bear with it. Don't, you know. And then it will, it will move through you. And you'll be grander, 
greater and uh, more, have more resources in this way. Since we're here for this period, we've made the commitment. Why not? <laughs> and then you can see the results for yourself. <laughs>